Today on Not Sam Wrestling, Cain Velasquez and Rey Mysterio are in studio with me. We'll talk about why the state of women's wrestling may be getting even better. All kinds of SmackDown to recap, all kinds of Raw to preview. Happy Monday. It's Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Hey, thanks everybody. Happy Monday, like I said. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. What a better way to start the week, huh? A dose of sports entertainment. We bookend now. We start and close the week. Every Monday morning, every Thursday, late afternoon usually, we hit you with a little Not Sam Wrestling. Of course, this is the franchise show, the Monday show, the show you've got to hear, the interview show. Every Monday morning, as soon as your week starts, here we are. Then we wait a couple days, and Thursday, Not Sam Thursday comes up to update everybody. It's just a podcast full of hot takes, folks. Thursday, Not Sam Thursday is all about the hot takes. Not Sam Wrestling Mondays, it's all about the scoops. Scoops Roberts, baby. Look, there was an announcement made about the NXT women and what they're going to be doing. I'll talk about it in the State of Wrestling segment today. And while I won't take full credit for it, I did get a tweet from the steamer who said maybe I should, and maybe I will. Maybe I will take full credit for it, at least partial credit for it. It's amazing what we're doing here at Not Sam Wrestling, and I appreciate all you guys being here with us. Of course, uh, Thursday's show is going to come out after Crown Jewel. So this will be the last show before Crown Jewel, so we'll talk about a whole bunch of Crown Jewel uh, in the State of Wrestling segment, we're also going to uh, probably do some kind of watch-along. If you're a, uh, a shill over at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling, if you're a Not Sam shill, I don't think we're going to do the whole pay-per-view, but I think that uh, maybe the last hour or two, I'll do a live watch-along for the good folks at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling and release the audio of that exclusively on Patreon as well. Uh, and then I'll cut the Thursday podcast immediately after Crown Jewel. That way we can get our instantaneous reaction from everything that went down at that show. That, look, it's going to be a big show. Is uh, Are 150,000 things going to happen? I don't know. But there's a lot of big matches announced for it. We'll talk about all that. But one of the big matches, of course, announced for Crown Jewel is Cain Velasquez versus Brock Lesnar. Cain Velasquez seconded by Rey Mysterio. Brock Lesnar seconded by Paul Heyman. And this match is a match that a lot of people waited for in theory. And then once it became a real possibility, a match that we really didn't have to wait for at all. I mean, Cain Velasquez made a surprise appearance on the October 4th SmackDown premiere on Fox. And now we turn around October 31st, 27 days later. That's, you know, three weeks and change, not even four full weeks. We've got Kenny Velasquez and Brock Lesnar happening WWE Championship match, Crown Jewel. So, of course, the reason people are so, uh, have, we're waiting for this match as long as they were is because Kenny Velasquez is the guy who ruined the hot streak that Brock Lesnar was on in the UFC. Of course, uh, Brock Lesnar did lose to Frank Mir in his UFC debut, but a lot of people looked at that as just simple inexperience. You know, uh, Brock, if I remember correctly, had Frank Mir on the ground. He positioned his ankle 
in a way that left himself very vulnerable. Frank Mir was able to grab the ankle and tap Brock Lesnar out, but everybody kind of looked at that fight going, if Brock Lesnar had a little bit more experience and knew where to put his feet, he probably would not have gotten tapped out and very likely could have won that fight. It was the Cain Velasquez fight that made people say, there's no way Brock Lesnar could have won that fight. Cain Velasquez knocked him the EWF out. Dunsky. And, you know, people are, have been waiting for a, a rematch confrontation ever since, and I guess pro wrestling is where it's going to be. I'd rather see it happen in pro wrestling because I like pro wrestling better. But uh, it's happening uh, now. It's happening in less than a week. It's happening in a few days. Later this week, you know, at Crown Jewel. So a lot's really everything that's been said about what Cain Velasquez can do in a wrestling ring comes down to, I would say, four Four moments. I think Cain Velasquez surprised a lot of people with what he was able to do in AAA. That would be the first moment. When people saw him diving over the ropes, when people saw him doing a Hurricane Rana in AAA, they went, oh, okay, there's something more going on here. This isn't just MMA guy Cain Velasquez. Clearly, he's taken some time to learn some pro wrestling. Second moment was uh, obviously the SmackDown Live premiere. And, or the SmackDown on Fox premiere, and Kane coming out and confronting Brock Lesnar, and us going like, okay, this is a story that's going to be told here. Now, the second two are probably the most important two, at least leading to this match. I don't know if they're the most important two for his whole career, but leading to this match, it's really two two moments. The first was on Raw, when Kane Velasquez came out and uh, did what he did with Shelton Benjamin, which a lot of people were very, very critical of because it didn't didn't look that scary. Um, and the second was this week on SmackDown, which was Brock Lesnar getting the offense in and looked a lot scarier. So as I'm watching, you know, I'm thinking a couple things. You know, with, with Shelton Benjamin, the thing about Cain Velasquez is he really does have the ability to just destroy anybody that he's put in the ring with. And to be functional in pro wrestling, he's got to figure out how not to destroy people. So it's almost like that's what he's learning. How do I go in with an offense that doesn't kill somebody? Whereas Brock Lesnar is the perfect opponent for him to start in WWE, Cain Velasquez, because Brock turns around and says, no, 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 you can try to kill me. I'm here for that. I don't think Brock Lesnar, as was evidence on SmackDown, the way he threw Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio getting thrown into the wall on SmackDown was shades of WCW Nitro when when Rey Mysterio got arrowheaded into the side of that truck by big sexy Kevin Nash. Uh, it looked real. Brock Lesnar's uh, onslaught looked real on SmackDown. And it really made me think that, like, r- realistically, what do we know about Brock Lesnar? And the idea that I don't think that Brock Lesnar is going to allow anything but what we saw on SmackDown and more to exist in the match between himself and Cain Velasquez. Brock Lesnar is an incredible professional wrestler. Go back and look at his matches. You know, I think he gets kind of a bad rep because of, really because of the match with Dean Ambrose and how that really didn't come across well. Um, But if you look at his match with uh, AJ Styles, if you look at his match with Samoa Joe, if you look at some of those matches, even some of the stuff he's done with Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar 
will tell a story in the ring. Brock Lesnar will sell for a person. Brock Lesnar, you know, there, there, there's, a, there's real stuff going on here with Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, I believe, when he's heavily invested in one of his matches, he's heavily invested in one of his matches. And I don't think, I think that Brock Lesnar wants this Cain Velasquez match to go well. You know, I don't think Brock Lesnar, here's what's going to happen. If Cain Velasquez tries to pull any punches with Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar's going to start hitting Cain as hard as he can. And Cain's going to have no choice but to hit him back as hard as he can. I'm very optimistic about what the Cain Brock Lesnar match is going to look like because I think Brock Lesnar is an ideal opponent for Cain Velasquez. I think realistically, Cain Velasquez is signed to the WWE. Multi year deal. Like he's not coming in. Tyson Fury is coming in to uh, Crown Jewel to come in for Crown Jewel. This is a match for Tyson Fury. It's a specialty. Cain Velasquez is coming into WWE. He's signed a contract. He's not coming in for one show. So, you know, I think that realistically he can have this match with Brock Lesnar and maybe go away for a little while and really kind of hone his craft. You know, Ronda Rousey was in WWE. It was announced that she was in WWE at the Royal Rumble. She didn't have her first match until WrestleMania. And I'm sure she was training even before that. So, you know, we can use a big star like that being in WWE and not have them wrestle, have them behind the scenes, give them some time to actually hone their skills before they get in there and, and strategically pick opponents until they're ready to just go after everybody. Um, but I had the opportunity. So uh, a couple weeks ago, you heard my audio. It was a bonus podcast from the press conference that they where they announced these matches for Crown Jewel. And I did have about a two-minute interview with Rey Mysterio and Cain Velasquez. And it was only a couple questions, but we talked about the uh, Hurricane Rana and where he learned it. And, and that was really interesting to me that he talked about he just saw somebody do it. Somebody explained to him how to do it, and he was able to just do it, which is mind-blowing to me. Um, but I had the opportunity to sit down with them for a lot longer, for a full-fledged conversation about uh, how this all took place, what Cain Velasquez's plans are, how Rey Mysterio sees himself in the position that he's in right now, and a whole bunch more. Dominic's inclusion into the thing, a whole bunch more. I was really happy to have this opportunity. I'm really happy to share it with you. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in here and a lot of insight from both guys. This week on Not Sam Wrestling, my guests for a full interview are Cain Velasquez and the legend Rey Mysterio. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. Here in studio, a couple of legends. Cain Velasquez, Rey Mysterio. What's going on, guys? What's the haps? Nothing, man. What's up? How you doing? Nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, just promoting. Yeah, just, just big, hanging out. A big, huge fight. <laughs> yeah, so Cain, I mean, I feel like this has all gone very, very fast. October 4th, I guess it was, you show up on SmackDown, mm -hmm. surprised everybody, got in there with Brock, you know, I mean, people knew you were uh, looking at getting into pro wrestling, yeah. but certainly being a full-fledged WWE superstar was not a thing that people were like, well, clearly this is what's happening. You go from October 4th to coming up less than a month later, October 31st, and you've got a main event match yeah. at one of the biggest shows of the year against a guy that the whole world is interested in seeing you with, Brock Lesnar. Yes. Is it as quick for you as it has been for us watching? It has been quick, but um, I've had this envisioned in my mind for a while now. 
you know, I would say a couple of years now, um, been wanting to do the, uh, the pro wrestling. And now that I, that I'm here, it's like, okay, this is what I've envisioned. And, um, you know, I just can't wait to get my hands on them again. So when you saw, was it, was seeing Brock get back into the WWE world, what made you go, oh, this could be a second life for me after MMA is done? No, it wasn't. Um, a couple years back, um, I went to a show. I went to um, Elimination Chamber in Las Vegas. Uh, I think it was Ronda's maybe debut, I think it was. Um, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, Went there with my buddy Daniel Cormier, a bunch of other, um, you know, of our coaches and, and friends. And, man, we just had a blast. And it was like, for me, it was just like I was be- I was a kid again. You know, those feelings of just like loving wrestling and just being into it. It was just like, man, let me see if I can even do this, you know. Like, mm-hmm. It would be awesome. And just started training, and from then on, it's just been like, you know. So you've been training since then? On and off, yes, I have. You know, wow. So we're still in the maze as Sure, well. sure, of course. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, but I have, yes. So you know what it's like to be in a, in a combat position against somebody like Brock Lesnar. Yes. Like, that is something that you want to do again. Of course. Man. <laughs> I mean, that's that's that, what's wild to me. That's why I'm here, you know. Um, I'm here to, to fight against the best. I'm here to be the best. Um, that's always my goal going into anything that I do, mm-hmm. you know, so this is no different. Um, I would say this is a little more personal with, with, you know, the things that he's done to that things that Brock has done to Rey Mysterio and also what he's done to, to Dominic, um, Ray's son. Um, so to me, it's a little more personal now, but, um, but yeah, man, I'm here to fight against the best and Brock is the best. Ray, what's that like for you? I mean, we all watched the segment on Raw when Dominic, who, I mean, I think it's amazing, first of all, that you have this amazing kind of family photo album of all the involvement that Dominic has had throughout the years in WWE. Yeah. But, like, clearly he's been on te- television a whole bunch, you know what I mean? Clearly, like, he's, he's, he's back there with you and he's become kind of a part of this Rey Mysterio story that we're all living through now. To watch him... Okay, he's going to get a spotlight, right? He's going to have this moment to kind of do some physical stuff in WWE, but you've got to sit there and watch Brock Lesnar throw your kid around the ring. Well, the 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 true story behind everything was to eventually you know, have Dominic follow in my footsteps. Uh he had been training for has been training for 2 years now. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, he was the reason for me not wanting to retire. Right. He was the person that convinced me and changed my heart, my mind to to keep doing it. You know, so big supporter of his father. He has been since day one. Uh, big opportunity to fight Seth Rollins for the title that night. And, of course, here comes the beast and just, you know, takes over the whole show. And those moments were really critical for me in my career because it was such a feel good moment because I was on the verge of possibly becoming universal champion for the first time. Yeah. You know, so, uh, um, everything went downhill from that point. And of course, to make a long story short, Kane (laughs) had to call call him up. Yeah. I mean, there's just no way physically I could have been able to do anything. Yeah. Uh, because of what happened that night, a torn bicep and a slight separated shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the way he manhandled my son Dominic was just brutal. Yeah. 
What did Dominic, I mean, you know, this is the first time that Dominic has felt what it's like to be manhandled by somebody like Brock Lesnar, obviously. It's a whole different experience than certainly being in wrestling training, right? Right. Like, what kind of conversations are you having with Dominic after that going like, yeah, this is... It was this very, is what that feels like. It was very hard at the beginning. Like once once that whole moment uh, was over, it was hard for him to even accept the fact that he was literally thrown around. Mm-hmm. My son's a big kid. You know, he's twenty two years old, but he's uh he's six two mm-hmm. and he's about a buck ninety five. So, you know, much bigger than myself. Uh, and I've seen him handle his own, but uh, it was something that definitely caught him off guard and uh, that he felt for several weeks. He did. Pain Pain was definitely, it was tattooed on his body, especially on his lower back when he got slammed against the post. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm. Man. Scared. Yeah. He was scared, but it was, a, it was a learning experience for him and it humbled him in many ways. Not that he had, or that he's ever had a big head, but it humbled him in the way that he now has a different respect for this sport. I would bet. And I would bet furthermore that, for instance, if I'm, I've been in a a relationship, right, Mm -hmm. where we're fighting all the time, right, Mm -hmm. and it's toxic. Mm -hmm. And then I end up in a really healthy relationship. And when we fight, it's not a big deal. I've dealt with so much more. When you get slammed around by Brock Lesnar that early, I would have to imagine that it's like, okay, I've dealt. I've I've experienced the yeah. worst. Yeah, I didn't even think about it that. Right, way. it's gonna right. make it not so bad mm-hmm. when the next person comes and and right. tries something like that with me. Very very true. What I makes mean, what makes Brock so different, Kane? I mean, everybody talks about Brock as like this sort of like freak, right? Uh-huh. Like everybody goes, there's there's one Brock Lesnar. He's he's the only guy that possesses what Brock Lesnar possesses. Mm-hmm. When you're in an octagon with him, I mean, you weren't in there with him that long. You kind of put a put an end to it fairly quickly but yeah. but yeah. i'm sure you felt that i'm sure you felt you know what he was capable of what is it definitely uh it's a lot it's a combination of things i think it's his uh number one his overall size he's a big dude but he also moves i mean he's he's really quick he's fast he's a great athlete um and i guess the state of mind as well is something that you know he's always looking for the kill right yes so um, all those things, being a great athlete, being a really big guy, just, uh, you know, towering like over people, um, he poses a lot of threats, you know, uh, physically and, and, and mentally. Was there anything that surprised you about him, even after all the training you had been through when you were in an octagon with him? Mm-hmm. Was there anything about it that was a surprise or had you kind of uh, forecasted it pretty well? You know, uh, for that fight, I trained a lot with Daniel Cormier, and um, we had uh, another another uh, NCAA champion uh, wrestler, uh, Mark Mark Ellis, mm-hmm. and we knew going into that fight that he would take me down. It was like it wasn't like you know we'd stop the takedown. It was like okay, if he does take you down, because he probably will. He's a big dude. Once we get down, we're gonna work on getting up. So I'd work um, in the worst positions ever, like DC. <laughs> on me and I have boxing gloves on and full gear and he lays flat on me and it's like, okay, get up. So, <laughs> I don't know who's worse, DC or Brock. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah I mean, wow. <laughs> you have a bad pick there. <laughs> so we did that just nonstop for that training camp. Um, so, so as far as getting to the ground, I was very comfortable of go ahead and standing up. And um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm really strong in, in that position, but 
what surprised me about Brock was um, his pressure against the fence. Mm-hmm. How big of a guy he was, how strong he is, just pushing up against me in the fence. It was really hard to like push him off. I really can do it. Normally with guys, I can kind of like get little underhooks and kind of shift their, their their body and and try to escape and you know get out of the cage. But with him, I couldn't. I just kind of kind of I kind of had to rest there until he was ready to do something, make a move. Right. So you just did. find what do you just find like the most defensive position you can find and just go. Hopefully he'll wear himself out. Hopefully he'll do some movements and then I can kind of get an out. I see. And get get out of the cage, um, which is what we did. But it's like being fresh. Him pushed me against the cage. It was like I'm just gonna have to wait here until he, until he kind of moves, and then I can kind of get out. Because guys, I can co- I can push him off, but him, it was a different story. It didn't it didn't seem like you waited a long time. <laughs> I mean, he talked about wait, but you, literally, I mean, it was two seconds, three seconds, maybe, yeah. and then boom, right away. I'm sure that's a long couple seconds to you, yeah. But to us walking at home, he was like a magician, well, just yeah. trying like just oh, fine. Right up. I just had to wait, man, and then as soon as I felt him move, I was like, "Okay, here now, now I'm, I'm, I'm getting out. I'm getting out." So. What, what's it like, like to train your brain differently? Because in MMA, you have to be thinking so fast. Like we just said, like you have to know, I'm in this position now. Immediately, I know I can't push this guy off of me. Yeah. I have to be fully aware of every body movement that he makes, so mm-hmm. I can know exactly where I can take advantage, and tune out everything else. I mean, in pro wrestling, if you tune out everything except your opponent. You're not gonna have a good match. You gotta, you gotta kind of, you know, rock with the crowd a little bit. Yes. You have to pay attention to them. Yep. You have to react to it. You have to, you know, you have to react to what your opponent's doing. Like yep. you have to, it's, it's a cooperative thing. How do you retrain yourself mentally to perform on this level? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like you said. I mean, I think you hit it right on the head there. Um, so that's that's what I kind of have to switch over to is to really listen to the crowd. Because that's really... another thing you can't exactly train for. Like, you could be at the performance center, yes. but there's not, yeah. you know, a stadium full of people yes. in to, a performance center. And, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, definitely, definitely. Yeah, you just have to train yourself to kind of be in that moment, you mm-hmm. know, to really take everything all in. Um, with fighting, you're almost on, like, I would say kind of like an autopilot because you've, you, you've trained two months um, doing the same the same game plan over and over again. When you spar, when we spar three days a week, we're we're doing that same game plan over and over again. So when you get there to the fight, it's like it's it's automatic, right? You're doing plan A, plan B, plan right. C. Um, you got your game plan. These are the three plans. Plan. This is what we're sticking to. Yes, and that's yeah. what you do when you go out there. So you really don't listen to the crowd. You don't really think of anything else but your opponent. Um, and in this, yes, it's different. I got to change my mind. I got to train my mind to kind of like listen to the crowd as well. It's just, again, have an open mind, take everything all in, and also know what my opponent's doing. What was it like uh, being out there on Raw with Shelton Benjamin? I thought that that was like a, yeah. I mean, it was a great opportunity to introduce you mm-hmm. into this world. I mean, I thought it was a pretty great opportunity for Shelton Benjamin to kind yeah. of, you know, point out the fact that he's got a background in all this too. Yes. I mean, not the greatest opportunity in the world for Rey Mysterio. He didn't really treat you very well. <laughs> but, but, yeah, no, I mean, but like to be out there, right? That was when, and I know you've done stuff with AAA, but that was the first time you'd been able to really be physical yeah. with somebody in a WWE ring, you know, with those WWE eyes on you. Yes. Uh, what was that? What was that like for you? It was great. Great learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, with, with, being with Ray and, and working out with Ray, um, you know, he he definitely can take care of his own. 
You know what I mean? But now, I mean, he's in a sling right now. It's like Benjamin trying to take advantage of him. Like, that's not cool. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so to go out there and, uh, you know, to teach him a lesson was great. You know, and it's all it's all preparation for for the task at hand, and that's being Brock. Right, right. Is there any part of you that goes like, okay, you know, going back to the differences between MMA and WWE, when you're in WWE, you're not supposed to want to kill the guy that you're in there with, you know what I mean? In MMA, that's supposed to be your only goal. Do you yeah. have to, is that another thing that you kind of have to set off? Like, okay, you know, I want to perform mm -hmm. at my top level in a WWE ring, Yeah. but there's no money in 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 destroying this person and making it so that we can't continue to do this, right? <laughs> That's why he has that little that second voice. Um, okay, okay, you gotta stop. Him. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't yeah. kill him yet. Yeah, that's your voice, right? Yes, that's me. That's, that's right me back there, going like, "We oh won, God. we won, oh we're God. good." Yeah, <laughs> Sheldon got lucky. Yeah, he got lucky. He didn't get a whooping like the one he should have got. Yeah, he didn't. Um, no, man, it's you know what? It's um, they brought the WWE brought me for a reason, and that's to come in here and, and, and kill dudes. Okay, so they understand. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna operate with your skill set. Your skill set happens to be you're very good at destroying lives. <laughs> so if you could go ahead and destroy the lives of these superstars, <laughs> not, not, to, not to put any comparisons, but but the fact that they did come from from the same world. Look at what uh, Rhonda did. Yeah, yeah. I, I I truly believe that she uh, stepped up the women's division when yes. she was here. You know, hundred uh, percent. She, she was. She was just whooping ass, mm -hmm. and and I think Kane is exactly gonna do the same thing, and he's gonna start off with Brock. Do you think that the uh, and I guess for both of you, Ray, you probably know about this because you're obviously you know your first ballot Hall of Famer when it comes to pro wrestling, but you're super into MMA and and, uh -huh. and super aware of that. Do you think that wrestling fans, because I think it happens with Kane, I think it happened with Ronda at first, mm -hmm. I think it happens with everybody. Do you think that wrestling fans aren't used to seeing? what the uh, offense style of MMA looks like. You know what I mean? Like pro wrestling looks a certain way, and right. sometimes there are things that are done in MMA, right, uh, that are super effective yeah. and can completely immobilize your opponent. Right. But they don't have the spectacular look, for instance. Right, right. That we're used to seeing. Right. Do you think that that's a, that's a hurdle? Uh, yes, 100%. And uh, even though they don't have that particular look, that wrestling fans are accustomed to to viewing, I think the effectiveness mm -hmm. is way way more intense. Yeah, you know, and like for instance, again, I'm I'm using Ronda as a comparison. Uh, when when she started facing the Charlottes and the the Beckys, you know, it was like whoa. Like wow, this is this is a beating. Like yeah, it, it, you know, all of a sudden it got real. Yes, yes, and I love that intensity. Yes, because you never not accustomed to seeing that, especially with with uh, women wrestling. Right, you know. So I tip my mask off to that division because it just it gave it a three sixty. I think too slowly but surely, spectators are getting more smart about this stuff. I mean, yeah. MMA is so big now that you're starting to go like, oh, I know. Right what effectiveness looks like. And I think a lot of wrestling fans are also MMA fans. Yes. Uh, I don't know if we have the same amount of MMA fans turn over into wrestling fans, but the ones that Kane's bringing over right now, so. I guess I so, that's, that's cool. the goal. Yeah, yes. they don't want to see 
Kane doing a bunch of like you know stuff that we've seen in wrestling for years. They want to see Kane bringing his MMA stuff. Of course, right. And I'll tell you the the, the fans that are always loyal and will always be uh, the Hispanic fans, just mm-hmm. with with their own people. You know, um, man, I, I'm, the amount of fans that have followed my career from the beginning in Mexico in '92, you know, uh, all the way till now in yeah. this day and age, is you know, again, I have much respect for those people because they've been, when I run into them, they tell me, Ray, I've been seeing you since you were 16 years old, man, and you wrestled here, and it was this day, and against this person. Wow. Yeah. So those are the fans, real well, hardcore. I mean, you probably got to experience that when you first came back for that Royal Rumble match as a surprise, Yeah. you know, a few years ago. Mm. And it was just like, there wasn't even really rumors circulating that Ray was coming back to WWE. Yeah. And the music just hits. It was it was a good feel moment, definitely. Yeah, and that reaction goes me. crazy, yeah. and it's like, yep, yeah. we have missed him. And it, and it, it it almost felt like I've been gone for years, years. I mean, it was three years, right? But uh, you know, uh, I guess when you when you make an impact that big from the beginning of your career in WWE, which mm-hmm. was in two thousand one, you know, when you're gone for one, two, three, or whatever, however many years, uh, when you come back, you get that uh that organic reaction from the fans. Right. You know, they were happy and I was happy to be there. So King, you've you've signed a is a multi year or you signed yes. a, a multi year commitment with WWE? Yes I did. Uh how did Dana White take it that you were retiring from MMA and doing wrestling full time? Uh he was uh just very happy for me. Mm-hmm. You know, um we ended up talking right before we uh we signed the deal. Um, man, and he was just, just all positive about it, you know? Cause um, did he know that, so like regardless, if WWE had come around or not, were you still done with MMA? No, no, I wouldn't have been. Um, That's interesting. for me, it was more of going in ultimately to wrestle, to, uh, to wrestle or, or fight against Brock. You know, that, that was my goal for a while. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, I, I visioned that for a while to, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And when uh, we talked about it, you know, he was already in, kind of informed of what what was going on, and he was like, he was like, "Hell yeah, dude, go ahead and do that." Like, um, I'm proud that you're doing this, you know. Um, so to me, it was just something that was super positive. Yeah. Yeah. What do you yeah. want to do after Brock? I mean, clearly, if we signed a you know a multi year commitment, and we're doing Brock first thing, yeah. there's going to be a long life after Brock, mm-hmm. win or lose. Yeah. Going after those tag team titles. Ray's over there going, yeah. you know, Kane, like, mm. tag team wrestling, it's, it's as good tag. as it gets, baby. Yes. Tag, people love tag teams. I'm in, I'm in. Yes. <laughs> Do you have any ideas about, like, are there, are there, as you start to really get deep into this world, and I'm sure, like, the last... It's only yeah. been like three weeks, but I'm sure the last three weeks have been a complete whirlwind. Yes. You're jumping into the deep end with the WWE Championship match to start. So have you started to envision what the next few years are going to look like? Yeah, I have. And you, what do you think? Just for myself, just to improve, you know, every day mm-hmm. to get to get as comfortable as I can with this and just to grow as a, as a performer and as a, as a fighter. Um, and as far as, you know, the opponents, Hey man, bring them all on. I'm, I'm here to wrestle against the best and, and to beat the best. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I am a witness that Kane is like, he wants to receive as much information as possible. Mm-hmm. The times that I've been around him, uh, you know, he's not a person that we need to discipline cause he comes from a very different type of discipline. Right. And, uh, you know, he's just on top of his game. So, 
Um, I see him watching, I see him listening, and he speaks very little, but mm -hmm. he learns a lot, and he wants to absorb as much as he can, so I think it's, it's just, it's coming in natural to him, you know? And, and, and that's the thing about elite-level athletes, is you don't want to come in here and not be great. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no reason for you to do this. Yep. If it's going to embarrass yeah. you, if it's going to tarnish your legacy, if it's going to do any of that, there's no reason for you to do this and not be one of the best, right? Yeah, I mean, um. Anything that I get into, it's it's not because I just want to, you know, try it out. No, no, it's I have goals set already, you know, beforehand mm -hmm. um, that I've kind of I've kind of seen through. I've kind of envisioned like you know the steps to to do it. So, um, man, this is the same thing, you know. So if Brock is the crown jewel match uh, on Thursday, do you have anything in your head for what you would want your first WrestleMania to look like? If it were up to you, if they said Kane, whatever, you know, you've excelled. We're here. It's WrestleMania time. What yeah. do you want your first WrestleMania to look like? I see this sport just like MMA. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot now. Now there's a lot more things, a lot more techniques that I can actually use in the sport that I really couldn't have in, in MMA. Um, so I want to, I want to, I wanted to showcase my fighting style. I wanted to showcase the uh, the pro wrestling side and also the lucha side as well. I want to do everything and just be. You know, show people that Hurricane Rana. Just have more, tools, <laughs> have more tools in the tool belt. Yep. Yeah. Yes. So you're not you're not so much thinking about opponents right now as much as what you want to show. Yeah. Um. I've never really thought of oppo opponents. You know, it's more of like whoever the uh, the toughest task at hand. You know, that that's who I want to like fight whoever, against. Whoever the top guy is. Whoever the top guy is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, wa I always want to challenge myself. Um. I always want to get better. So. So I never really thought of opponents. I've never even like chosen opponents. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not like I want to fight against this guy. It's like, who's who's the best guy that I can fight against, and that's who, who I want to fight. Is Cormier jealous that you get to be a WWE superstar? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like if anybody, <laughs> he'll get his time. He'll get his time. Uh, <laughs> no, he's he's just a big fan of you know. I kind of picture him like watching you on that SmackDown. <laughs> go, Man, that looks so cool! <laughs> Welcome, Kane gets it. To... <laughs> is, it is. Uh, he's definitely. I'm sure he's. I mean, he's a big fan, so he. He you know he loves this this uh, the sport. Um, I see him get into it. You know, if he chooses. Um, you know, later on down the road when he's done with the uh, with with fighting, but um, but yeah, man, he's a big fan. He's he's him. My wife kind of like, you know. Put the just kind of put that little thought in my head of start of starting to do this, mm -hmm. you know. And from then on, it was just like, it was like, hell yeah, dude, this is what I want to do. So, Ray, you know. what do you think WWE guys are going to be able to do now? Right, you got Brock, you got mm -hmm. Kane, mm -hmm. you got other heavyweight UFC top people mm -hmm. going like, oh, that WWE looks cool. I feel like there's going to be nothing left for the WWE guys. You know, I, it's definitely a. Uh... I don't even want to say a gateway, but it's it just opens up your your opportunities to to jump either from one sport, you know, whether MMA to wrestling or wrestling to MMA. Mm -hmm. I mean, realistically, mm -hmm. Brock was the first dude to leave WWE, go try out to the N with the NFL, and then eventually make it to to a UFC. I mean, at one you point know, he was like doing them both at the same time. He was. Yeah. He was going back and forth. Yeah. You know, and you would see the support taker, you know, um, who else was a couple guys were at, were yeah, at, his, at his fights, you know, so you just show the support of somebody crossing over for the first time, which was massive, mm -hmm. you know, um, and now we have the opposite, which I think is really cool. Yeah. You know, the more uh, opportunities open up, 
you know, you can't be envious, you can't be jealous, or you can't be a hater because guys are jumping back and forth. Hell, if you have the potential and uh, the athleticism to do it, please. And Kane's here. He's not here uh, calling people out. You know, he just wants to get good at what he does or what he wants to learn, yeah. you know, to eventually names are going to start walking up. Yeah, and I guess at the end of the day, you can't really be jealous of anything because if Cain Velasquez shows up in a WWE ring and he sucks, he's not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, yeah. the reason yeah. Brock Lesnar, nobody can beat him is because, yeah, he's a great MMA fighter, but he happens to be an excellent pro wrestler as well. Exactly. Right? Very true. Yeah, so I, I think uh, with MMA guys coming in, it's just like it's just evolution, mm-hmm. right? You, uh, evolution of fighting, evolution of you know guys in the pro wrestling business are gonna obviously learn MMA stuff, and it's gonna be just again, it's gonna be an evolved version of, of, of pro wrestling. What kind of schedule do you think you're gonna have once you know once we're past Crown Jewel on Thursday? Mm-hmm. Everything starts to set in. What kind of WWE schedule are you going to have? Are you looking at somebody like Brock and being like, okay, I can be this sort of specialty performer that comes in and does this? Yeah. Or are you more looking at somebody like what Ronda did, where it's like, mm-hmm. no, I can be there most weeks? We'll see, man. We'll see where, where, where it kind of goes from, from, from here. But, um, again, I'm just uh, trying to get as good as I can, you know? Um, and I think the more shows that I do, the more comfortable I'm going to get. Yeah. Um, where I'm not really thinking too much and just going in there and just going out and performing. So um, I'm more just focused on that point, and we'll see where the uh, you know where everybody else wants to wants to see me. If they want to see me a lot, if they want to see me every now and then come in. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it'll be. We're gonna see how this uh, main event WWE Championship works out, and then we're gonna figure out where to go from there. <laughs> Hell yeah. Ray, how much? How many years? of wrestling do you think you have left in you? Mm. I mean, like, I go back, man, and I think it's actually, I I feel like because there's so much, Lucha has influenced Mm. even more than I think it's given credit for. Like, there's so much high-flying and Lucha influence in wrestling in general now. I think it's almost taken for granted what was going on in, like, the, in the 90s into the Mm. 2000s. But, like, you still go back, man, and you watch some of the stuff you're doing, especially in like in WCW, mm-hmm. and it's unbelievable by today's standards. Well, I think it feels the same as me watching uh, Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid. Yeah, back in the '80s. Yeah, and I'm looking at them going, they were just way ahead of their time, man. Yes, like, what absolutely. Were they doing? How did they come up with all these moves? But like, it's funny because I think that people, and I bet they told you this when you were younger. 97 they're telling you okay you could do that now but you're not going to be here long very true and 2019 I, rolls around and you're like hey buddy that, that's funny <laughs> that's funny because they've told me that so many times yeah uh but nobody has ever brought it now nobody brings it up day. anymore do no, they well, yeah nobody has brought up that comparison that uh you know how about now i'm still doing it now you yeah, know? exactly I'm, I'm 45 years old um but i'm just truly blessed that that I've been able to go for so long, and uh, you know I've had my ups and downs, my bumps, um, on my way to the top. But man, it just it makes it all worth it. Uh, the position that I'm in now, uh, being next to Kane, uh, picking up knowledge from the MMA world mm-hmm. and sharing my knowledge from the wrestling world, to be able to to have my son trained and see him eventually, 
uh, step in a WWE ring the right way, right. you know, and perform. Uh, you know, I truly feel that my son is going to do better things than, than uh, what his old man did. So, uh, you know, I just, I don't see myself going past 50. That's for sure. Gotcha. I don't want to go past 50. You know, it's got to feel good for you, though, at this point in your career to be in a position where the WWE is like, okay, Cain Velasquez <clears throat> is coming in. This is a major, major signing, and we want this to feel like a major, major signing. We need somebody from the pro wrestling world to co-sign him, and you're the guy, Ray. That's, I was like, that's got to be honored. like, yeah. Yes, honored, because I, I've been a, a big Kane fan, you know, since I've seen him in the UFC. You mm -hmm. know, I've seen him destroy guys, and to, to have him walk into my world and the way it was all brought up, like man this is this is really good yeah it's some really good stuff going on here um you know and the payoff obviously is gonna be even bigger at 45 how do you stay up on what's cool how do you stay up on what designers are cool because my, my, my 22 year old son <laughs> is that is what it is and my daughter <laughs> believe it or not my daughter's 18 going to med school so uh you know uh anything hip new Beats, song, rappers, <laughs> hip hop, anything. You're there. You know, I'm right there. Although I've always been a designer person. Uh -huh. I love to see what's fresh, what's the newer stuff, LV, Virgil, what what's he designing now, you know. Um, but uh I've always been on top of trends, that's for sure. Yeah, because I've talked to you about it before, but when you started <laughs> coming out with the Virgil gear and I was like, nobody even knows what you're doing. <laughs> yes. Nobody <laughs> yeah. when you say Virgil gear to like uh WWE folks or wrestling what, fans, what they're that? like, You mean the million dollar man's guy? <laughs> the shirtless tuxedo? What do you, what yes. Do you mean? Oh man! It's amazing. Yeah, I don't think you get enough credit. I feel like you're you're kind of nature it up. You're you're like uh, <laughs> you're like the casual nature boy. Yeah, I've, I've always uh, um, the way I dress outside the ring. I like to bring that swag into the ring as well because I've always been very fresh with my gear and I've always tried to stay updated. New colors, new masks. Yeah. Design always stays the same, but I always like to change it up. That's how we sell a lot of toys. Yes, always. Unconsciously, <laughs> <laughs> I did that without even thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're absolutely well, you, right. Because you go back to the old days, you're still selling toys. Yes. <laughs> of the yes. old uniform. I want not the to green mention. now. I want the green tall doll. I want the yellow one oh, now. You got to get them all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know you're wild when it's like we're putting out a box set of just Rey Mysterio toys. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anybody, Cain Velasquez, that you look at? Uh, in WWE past or present that from an entertainment perspective or combining your experience, like this is the type of pro wrestler I want to evolve into. Um, no, I'm uh, just kind of watching, watching guys just to, just to learn, you know, um, when I first got into it, I was watching a lot of Ray, Ray Mysterio stuff. Uh, obviously a big fan of, of, of what, what he's, he's always done and, and always loved his style. Um, even though I'm a big guy, um, I do like that high flying style as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I watched a lot of, uh, Mil Mascaras. Yeah. Uh, matches. Um, just, I like guys that, that know how to, know how to wrestle collegiate as well. And I feel like he did, he did, he knew how to wrestle collegiate as well. He knew like just body mechanics really well. And, you know, um, just, so I, I like the old stuff. I like the new stuff. Um, but no, just trying to take it all in and, um, you know, just just see every guy and see, see kind of what he brought to the table and what, what made him unique, you know, what, what styles are, are just styles that I liked as well, yeah. Whose idea was it for you to wear the mask uh, for AAA? Was that you going like, this will be, this is, I want to show respect to the heritage? Was yeah, it, yeah. That was it. Yeah, yeah, show Because I thought it was, I mean, I got the heritage part, but then I was like, <laughs> we that's a money-making face, man. We were just like, talking <laughs> about that earlier. It's 
funny you mentioned that. Yeah. Like, don't cover that yeah. up. <laughs> no, yeah, for me it was, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, pay respect for, you know, the lineage of guys that have worn the mask, um, you know, that that's what I want to do. Because um, I saw some of the stuff you were doing, and then I was like, and he's yeah. got that mask on. I was yeah, like, I don't know that's him. Is that Cave Velasquez uh, under there? Who's that? Take it off, man. I want to know it's you. Yeah, yeah. Who, who got they? Got, they got the tattoo marker in the back, uh, trying to like yes. match up. Yeah. So uh, yeah, just you know, wearing the mask. Um, I wanted to wear it, you know, the whole match, and then um, just and also just just for like the the difficulty as well, of, like that you know not seeing. You like adding the obstacle. It was an obstacle. Let's say that I liked Challenge. it, but hey, hey, it was an obstacle. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that, but then you know, after the match, I, I took it off as well. So that's something that guys have I have normally not not done before. But it's like for me, it's a different story because people know or know who I am. You know, under the mask. Yeah. Right. It's not yes. a it's not a secret identity. Uh, well, look, guys, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what you can do. I think uh, a lot of people are looking forward to seeing you, especially. With Brock Lesnar, because that's the thing. I mean, man, everybody can say whatever they want about pro wrestling, but when you get two fighters in the ring that can respond to what the other one dishes out, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You're, yes. you're, you're now you've got something different from yeah. what I think people are used to seeing, um, and it's all going down at Crown Jewel, man. Yes. It's it's a yes. big spotlight to be put on you, but I don't think that spotlight would be on you if you weren't capable of of showing up. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. it, Ray. It's always great talking to you, and I'm, you. I couldn't be happier. I mean, I love the idea moving forward yeah. of Rey Mysterio in that good guy Paul Heyman position yes. where you are yeah. the advocate. Yeah. I mean, Paul and I go back to 95, man. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I yeah. let you go, like, when you're on Raw, right, and you're going back and forth with Paul Heyman, are you, like, are you having these, like, oh, my God, like, this was the, my first notable stuff in America well, I, was I, for this guy. I definitely do go back and and – think wow i met this man when i was 18 years old you know and i was making my way into the u.s not even imagining that one day we were going to be here (laughs) right both of us yeah you know which you know it's, it's been an incredible journey and i'm just i'm happy that i'm able to to uh share moments like these yeah again with paul it's amazing and the journey just keeps rolling guys thank you so much Crown Jewel Thursday, Booyaka. October 31st, Halloween afternoon, WWE Network. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, good luck, man. Thanks. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Yeah, it is State of Wrestling time here on Not Sam Wrestling. Firstly, thank you to Rey Mysterio and Cain Velasquez for taking the time out of their busy, busy day to talk to us here. Uh, I think it's going to be super interesting and very telling about Cain Velasquez's future, but I I think that having Rey Mysterio with him all the time is a very, very good thing in terms of verbally telling the story. And I I think Cain Velasquez and Brock Lesnar as a match is going to surprise a lot of people. I'll talk about my thoughts on the whole uh, Crown Jewel card in a couple of minutes, but I figure what we'll do here this week on the State of Wrestling, go over some of the stuff that happened on SmackDown, go over uh, the card for Crown Jewel, and then preview Raw a little bit. That's that's my thought for where we'll go this week. I do want to say, I asked you guys to send in questions. Please keep sending them. I would love to have some questions from you guys for the uh, Not Sam Wrestling Podcast not Thursday, Not Sam Thursday update. That's the 
totally topical hot takes monologue show. So I would love for you guys to be involved as you can. Send questions as the week progresses to notsamwrestling at gmail.com. As you're watching the shows, as you're watching Raw, as you're watching uh, NXT, as you're watching whatever you're watching. Maybe you watched SmackDown on the DVR this weekend. Oh, you know, here's what I was thinking. You didn't really cover it on the podcast. Send your questions in, and I will answer all of them. NotSamWrestling at gmail.com. Very easy to remember. NotSamWrestling at gmail.com. I got one uh, from John based on NXT from last week, which we covered on the Thursday Not Sam Thursday podcast. John says, Sam, do you think we will see an Imperium? We will ever see an Imperium versus Undisputed Era War Games match. No, I don't, uh, John. And I don't think that there's any reason. I mean, they're both bad guy factions, ultimately. I love that NXT is bringing back the faction. I think factions are really, really important in wrestling. Um, I, 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 you know, you can always think of factions that didn't work, but there's so many factions that did work. I mean, people are still obsessed with NWO. People are still obsessed with DX. You could argue that the Bullet Club revolutionized wrestling so much that it brought us to where we are today. Uh, I think, you know, when you talk about NXT, the undisputed era is on the tip of everybody's tongue. People love good factions. I think it creates better stories. It makes certain guys more difficult to beat because they've got backup. Uh, It makes for interesting stories when the factions start to break up. Oftentimes, it'll create stars. You know, maybe not every person in the faction becomes a star, but maybe one person becomes a star uh, who wouldn't have been otherwise. It gives people a reason for being. You know, I think that there should be more factions for sure on the main roster. On Raw and on SmackDown, we should absolutely have more factions. Baron King Corbin should absolutely have a King's Court and should have guys that are maybe a little bit underutilized be in his king's court. I think Drew Gulak should be uh, maybe, uh, uh, I mean, what if Drew Gulak was King Corbin's baron and he became Baron Corbin's baron? So you'd have to then call him King Corbin and Baron Gulak. I think it'd be great. But Drew Gulak is a perfect example. Like if King Corbin developed a faction, number one, it'd be better for King Corbin. Because people are going around like, he thinks he's a king. He's not a king. Well, he's got his loyal servants. He's got a kingdom. You know what I mean? I So so little things like that. But no, I don't think just because there's two factions means that those two factions will meet in a war games. It certainly won't happen in November, which is when the war games show is. And will it happen a year from now? They only do war games once a year. So, you know, I it's possible, I guess. But... Either Walter would have to become the number one good guy in the company or Adam Cole would have to, and the entire Undisputed Era would have to turn into good guys and and Walter would have to be strong enough that the entire Imperium becomes as big as Undisputed Era. So, you know, no is the answer to that question. I also, you know, I saw a lot, like people now trying to figure out after this week's NXT and Finn Balor's uh, big time bad guy turn, people saying... um, what what's war games going to look like? And they said, well, they, I, I think something that I read multiple times was three, either, no, four team, three teams of four was suggested at one point. And I'm like, you can't have, they've done three teams before, but it was three teams of three. If you're going to have teams of four, 12 people in that 
double cages, way too many people. Like, there's no way you can keep track of 12 people. So I don't think four, three teams of four, or four teams of three, I guess, would be good. And people are also, the reason that came up is because many people, after Finn Balor's heel turn, are saying, get the OC over to NXT and either have the OC as a three-person team in the War Games match or have Finn Balor join with the OC and make them a four-person team in the War Games match. And I think that that's a terrible idea for a couple of reasons. Number one, Finn Balor goes from being the biggest star on NXT to one of the biggest four. You know, sorry, if AJ Styles is on NXT, Finn Balor is fighting for that spotlight. Number two, AJ Styles, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, they skipped NXT. They were never in NXT. Number three, they just got drafted to Raw. Literally two weeks ago, they just got drafted to Raw. And I know you're going, well, what about Seth Rollins and the Fiend versus uh, Seth Rollins versus the Fiend at Crown Jewel? Yeah, got it. But nobody's sitting there going like, oh, that's awesome. They just did the draft and they're ignoring it. I love that. Nobody is happy about that. I've not read one person going like, oh, great. Everybody's going like, why wouldn't you just use that as the excuse to blow off Seth Rollins versus The Fiend and start from scratch after how bad the ending to Hell in a Cell was? So, you know, I don't think on any level, I don't think it would help anybody for the OC to be in NXT right now. I mean, unless they told a story that I was like, okay, I can get down with that. On paper, I would say no. Putting the OC in the War Games match is not a good idea. And I also, you know, I don't know how healthy it is for Finn Balor or for the OC that anytime any one of them change or turn heel or whatever, you start trying to bring back the Bullet Club. You know, I think that uh, I think that if Finn Balor is going to be the prince in NXT, he needs to stand strong as a leader. And either... You know, I, I think that, like, uh, if you're going to give Finn Balor a faction and you're going to build something around, I think that uh, I would put Danny Burch and uh, Oni Lorcan with Finn Balor. You know, I would put that team with Finn Balor and give you a situation where you've got them and three members of the Undisputed Era and then Gargano, Ciampa, and who knows, Red Ole Keith Lee. One of those guys. But I don't think, I wouldn't bring in the OC. And we'll get more into what I think War Games will look like, I think, after this week's NXT. Maybe on the Thursday, not Sam Thursday show. Uh, we got a lot to talk about with SmackDown. Um, it was a big hype show for sure for Crown Jewel, which I think is good. You know, I think that Crown Jewel needed it uh, definitely. Um, something that definitely jumped out at me was the fact that not only did New Day lose to Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. And it was a little bit disguised because, uh, you know, there was the big melee after the match and it was really a hype up over the, you know, however many, 10 team or more uh, Crown Jewel Turmoil Cup match. But I think that, uh, I think that what we really should talk about is the fact that not only did the New Day lose to Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, who are still a team, Kofi took the pin. Now, there's one of two things happening. Either Kofi is just being sent down the card because that run is over, which perished the thought, or, which I think is more likely happening, and after all, I am Scoops Roberts, the last professional broadcaster hack wrestling journalist. Uh, I think that uh, 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 
they're still weaving that story of Kofi Kingston needs to hit rock bottom so he can turn heel and rise back up. You know, I think that I think that over the next few weeks we're going to see Kofi Kingston. I think he'll get pinned in uh, at Crown Jewel. You know, and I think maybe Survivor Series will hopefully be that final straw. You know what I mean? And it's a little bit more difficult to do because Xavier Woods isn't there. So I worry. So here's what I worry a little bit about: that the original idea is that Kofi Kingston, Kingston is going to turn on the New Day, and that's why he's put in these positions where he's losing right now because he's got to hit rock bottom. But now that Xavier Woods is injured. Are they just going to forget about that and go like, well, I guess Kofi's just losing now. Like that, that, that's what I'm a little bit worried about. I don't think that that'll happen. I really hope it doesn't. But um, I, I, I think that he should turn on Biggie. I think it should be one of those things at Survivor Series where maybe he walks out on his team. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's, not, it's not just a straight, I'm Kofi and I'm a bad guy now, but he just walks out. He's like, I've had enough. And he just leaves. You know, and, and we see kind of like, you know, Survivor Series is always good in that way that you can always pull that off. 93, they started slowly telling the Owen Hart, Bret Hart story. 94, they started slowly telling the Shawn Michaels Diesel story. Maybe 2019, they start telling the Kofi Kingston Big E story, except now it's in reverse because Kofi is the one who's turning. You know, I think it'll be good. And I said that in reverse from Shawn and Diesel, more similar to Owen Bret. Um, so hopefully that's why Kofi Kingston took the pin, but I definitely noticed the fact that he took the pin. Uh, I thought that the Shinsuke, Sami Zayn, Daniel Bryan segment was really good. Uh, I think, you know, I wish Sami had more of an opportunity to shine in the ring, but at least when he's given a microphone, he takes that opportunity and he shines bright like a diamond. I mean... You know, I thought uh, bringing up the past and 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 creating the similarities to them, and also not quite explaining what was going to happen. You know what I mean? Not quite have Daniel Bryan accept or decline the offer, and have that sort of in the air. I think eventually Daniel Bryan will decline the offer, and I, I love the idea of Daniel Bryan Nakamura matches happening. And if you go back years now. This is episode 262, I think, of Not Sam Wrestling. There's 262 shows, plus the Thursday Not Sam Thursday shows, the bonus shows we've done. I mean, we probably have over 300 shows that you can just scroll through. They're all available. They're all just still on this RSS feed. Five years worth of stuff. It's incredible. But if you scroll back a few years, uh, right to the time Daniel Bryan came out with a book, and he did an interview. And I've referenced that interview a couple times. It's probably one of my favorite interviews. But Daniel Bryan talks about what he wanted for the Intercontinental Championship and why he was happy to have that opportunity at WrestleMania 31 and win the ladder match. And he really wanted to, you know, make the Intercontinental Championship what a lot of people have said they want to do. And that's 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 raised the prestige of it. I think that can happen now with Daniel Bryan and Shinsuke Nakamura, I love the idea of Daniel Bryan being the one to eventually take the Intercontinental title from him. I think we can have some tremendous matches between now and then. And I think Daniel Bryan as Intercontinental Champion is a good guy. He's a good space to be in. Um, The Brock Lesnar segment was amazing, and it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning, which is, uh, you know, Brock Lesnar is not going to allow this to not look real. 
Brock Lesnar is going to make us feel this at home. I think Brock Lesnar has a lot invested in the match with Cain Velasquez, and uh, he's not going to let it be embarrassing. Let's just say that. I do think that uh, Rey Mysterio, once and for all, needs to leave his kid at home if he wants his kid to stop getting beaten up by Brock Lesnar. You know, sometimes when a bully tells you, tomorrow in the cafeteria, I'm going to beat you up, you go eat in the bathroom that day. Don't show up to the cafeteria. You Maybe you avoid a beating. You know what I mean? If Brock Lesnar's like, I'm going to just keep beating up your son, then maybe, you know, it's real. Brock Lesnar's not in that many buildings. He goes home. He goes to the show. He goes to the show. He goes home. So if you can keep your kid out of Brock Lesnar's house and out of arenas that Brock Lesnar is in, you can probably keep your kid from getting beaten up by Brock Lesnar. But far be it from me to tell anybody how to parent. Um, you know, the end of the show with Roman Reigns, Ali G, and Shorty G as your top good guys beating your top bad guys, Nakamura, Corbin, and Cesaro. Let's talk about Shorty G. Now, I watched on Backstage, too, that they had a special episode after SmackDown. People really ragging on Shorty G. You know, first, last week, it was the name Shorty G. This week, it's the fact that he's wearing a basketball uniform out of the blue with arm warmers that looks, as I said on Twitter, like the living incarnation of Skilo's I Wish video. And everybody's going, how could you do this to an Olympic-level competitor? You're talking about Chad Gable, a man named after greatness in amateur catch-as-catch-can collegiate Olympic-level wrestling. One of the best wrestlers in all of professional wrestling right now is Chad Gable. And he's wrestling in a basketball uniform that is blue and neon green that looks like he's, you know, one of the villains in Space Jam. And he's calling himself Shorty G. How could you do this to him? Well, let me ask you. How many of you were out there really talking about Chad Gable? And I don't mean sitting there going like, yeah, Chad Gable always has good matches. I mean really talking about him. Because when Chad Gable and Jason Jordan were American Alpha in NXT, a lot of people talking about him. A lot of people cheering him. A lot of people going nuts. They were one of the favorite tag teams in NXT. Now, nobody talks about Chad Gable. Nobody talked about Chad Gable when he was teaming with Robert Roode. Nobody talked, he, he had a little robe and everything made for him. Nobody talked about him. Nobody talked about American Alpha when they were on SmackDown. Nobody talked about Chad Gable as a singles guy. Nobody talked about Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin together. There is not one thing that Chad Gable has done on the main roster that has worked. So, why not do something? If you can't get fans to be vocal in a positive way, get fans to be vocal in a negative way. If you can't get fans to support Chad Gable based on his wrestling, get fans to support Chad Gable because he's been given a neon basketball uniform. Shorty G could go one of two ways. Shorty G will either be the ultimate humiliation and end of a great amateur wrestler's professional wrestling career, or it will be the best thing that has ever happened to Chad Gable. You could very easily... He's now he's got more people who are on his side than ever. People are so outraged that he is a neon basketball player named Shorty 
that they don't know what to do with themselves. Now, if if people had been that vocal for Chad Gable just being like, oh, how great is Chad Gable? Probably would have been a little bit different for him. But people were never this vocal for Chad Gable. And they'll say they were, but they weren't, obviously. At no point did you sit there going like, oh my God, why won't the WWE just listen to its fans? Chad Gable is the future. You could say that based on his ability. You could say, why won't the WWE just just you know pay attention to Chad Gable's ability? He's the future. You can make that statement, fine. But you can't go, why won't the WWE just listen to its fans? Clearly, everybody wants Chad Gable to be the champion. Because I'd be like, listen to what? What sound has ever been made that sounds like that? It's never happened. Never. And you could blame it on booking, and you can blame it on whatever else you want to blame it on, but none of us know a damn thing except what we see on television. And what I saw on television was a guy named Chad Gable who was having really good wrestling matches, and people didn't care. So, the fact that people care now is a step in the right direction, okay? Chad Gable has given people something to rebel against. They're, if they can't cheer for you, give them something to rebel against, okay? People believe in Chad Gable now because it seems like he was handed the shortest end of any stick that has ever existed in what might be Saba Simba level worst wrestling attire of all time. And Beaver Cleavage level worst wrestling name of all time. Okay? But I guess people didn't love Headbanger Mosh, for better or worse, as much as people love Chad Gable. Secretly, everybody loved Chad Gable. They're only being vocal about it now because he got a neon basketball outfit and he's called Shorty G. All of a sudden, Hulk Hogan is saying his name and he's on main events on SmackDown. He's trending on Twitter, and people are fighting for him. Maybe the whole Shorty G experiment wasn't that bad for Chad. Maybe we need to think one step deeper, or maybe I'm just off my rocker. Who knows? It's one of those two things. Uh, let's look into Crown Jewel. Crown Jewel is happening on Thursday, and as I said, uh, I'm going to be watching uh, part of the show, at least part of the show, Live with you guys on Patreon at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Um, I will also be doing the Thursday Not Sam Thursday update podcast as soon as uh, Crown Jewel goes off the air. So we can talk about Raw and Wednesday nights and Crown Jewel this Thursday Not Sam Thursday as well as your questions that you send to notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Uh, we got uh, probably a quadruple main event. I would say. First main event, probably the match that I... So here's the match that I care the most about, believe it or not, Brock Lesnar versus Cain Velasquez. It's a singles match for the WWE Championship. Um, there's no way Cain Velasquez wins the WWE Championship. I don't, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but I'm just interested in watching this match take place. I want to see how Cain Velasquez goes down and how they tell the story that make us want to see a rematch. Who knows? We could be looking at our WrestleMania main event as well. I talked to Cain Velasquez in the interview uh, that we did today, and he said he doesn't have any opponents in mind. He's thinking about what he's going to do and how he's going to evolve as a performer. But the only people that he wants to fight are the people that are on top of the card. So if Brock Lesnar is still the man, who knows? 
Who knows how this pans out? Or do you have a good guy, Cain Velasquez, versus a bad guy, Kofi Kingston? Or does Daniel Bryan go forward? Maybe you got Cain Velasquez versus Roman Reigns. You know, there's there's a million different, maybe Shorty G versus Brock Lesnar in your main event. And Shorty will, for the first time ever, because it's WrestleMania, actually reverse the colors on his basketball outfit. So he's got neon green and blue trim. That could be really special for WrestleMania 36. You know, that could be really, really special. I bet the fans will get real fired up for that one. Um, so, yeah, I, that's that's probably the match I'm most interested in seeing. Uh, just because Cain Velasquez is the great unknown. Uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of investment has been made in him. Let's see if it pays off. I think people are a little more open to the idea that it could pay off, number one, because we saw him in Triple in A, and number two, because uh, Ronda Rousey, clearly paid off better than anybody realized. I think most people don't like to admit how uh, pessimistic most of us fans were about the debut of Ronda Rousey and how we were all blown away by that first WrestleMania match a year and a half ago. Uh, So I think that, I, I hope that we see something similar, but at the same time, he's only been signed to WWE for three and a half weeks. So we'll see. Uh, The match that I'm looking forward to, I guess the second most is Seth Rollins versus The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. This is a Falls Count Anywhere Universal Championship match that cannot be stopped for any reason. Now, it says in the title, this match cannot be stopped for any reason. I do not believe you. There is, because you could, I mean, a Hell in a Cell match can't be stopped. It's hell. It's supposed to be hell. You know what I mean? Mick Foley almost died. And they were like, ah, oh, he says he's fine. We'll keep going. Um, You know, I... I if I had to guess, I would say, unfortunately, Seth Rollins wins the match. Uh, I would say The Fiend goes down, Seth Rollins pins him, and then The Fiend just stands right back up, but Seth Rollins has already pinned him. So that way, it looks like The Fiend was playing dead even through the pinfall attempt. And then, like, maybe, you know, I, I, I could see they go all over, you know, the stadium there in Riyadh, and then... Seth is able to pin the Fiend. He, you know, throws everything he can on top of him again. Seth pins him. One, two, three. The Fiend gets up right away after the pin has already been made. So Seth Rollins has won the match. The match is over. But the Fiend gets up like nothing ever happened and then kicks the crap out of Seth Rollins again. So it's like, oh, man, I guess the title isn't what it's all about for the Fiend. He's still so scary. And you're like, yeah, I guess. But he lost. So, you know, I don't know. I don't feel, I feel like there's not a lot of ways now to get out of that based on Hell in a Cell, but we'll see. Um, You got Braun Strowman versus Tyson Fury. You know, I think that uh, Braun Strowman's going to have a tough time coming out of this because I don't see Tyson Fury, I see Tyson Fury knocking him out. I don't see Tyson Fury losing, and I don't see him winning any other way than by TKO. So, and then the fourth big main event is, of course, Mansoor versus Cesaro, the match we've all been waiting for. Uh, kind of the match of the century, and you know, I think the fans back home in the United States are going to be really, really happy when Cesaro does indeed lose to Mansoor. And I'm sure that that means that Mansoor ends up not only on NXT TV, but probably on Raw. Uh, I think it's going to be big for Mansoor. Uh, you got Team Hogan versus Team Flair, Roman Reigns, Rusev, Ricochet, Ali, and Shorty G. Personally, I think Shorty G and Ali should start a tag team called Ali G. And maybe Ali could dress up like Ali G does, you know, with like the uh, the, the tracksuit and everything. 
I think it could be a good idea. With Hogan, of course, in their corner versus Team Flair. Randy Orton, King Corbin, Bobby Lashley, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Drew McIntyre. You know, I, I think that when you have a show this big, I think that there is a good chance that this is the last match of the night. I think it ends with uh, King Corbin being pinned by Roman Reigns. And I think it ends with all the good guys in the ring along with Hulk Hogan posing for all the uh, all the people there in the stadium in Riyadh. You know, I would imagine that that's how that goes. Uh, but I will tell you this. I am glad that this match is happening. And the reason why is because this is the reason we've had all the Ric Flair promos that we've had lately, which have just been incredible. I love, I hope that they find a reason after Crown Jewel to bring Ric Flair back. If so, He needs to be somebody's manager. I hope somebody's watching this. I don't know if he's healthy enough to travel on a regular basis. Bring him back. Put him there with somebody. Who, who could be a good, uh, you know, I mean, you could have had uh, Ric Flair to the, King Corbin faction that I was talking about, but there's a lot of people, you know, especially with this draft happening. It doesn't have to be on SmackDown, could be on Raw. Bring Ric Flair back as a manager. Can you imagine if at this stage in his life, Ric Flair becomes the second coming of like Bobby the Brain Heenan, like the Fair, the Flair family? Who wouldn't watch Ric Flair cut promos for somebody? He's incredible. I hope it happens. Uh, you got your uh, nine-team tag team turmoil match for the WWE Tag Team World Cup which is the New Day, the Viking Raiders, Heavy Machinery, Lucha House Party, Hawkins and Ryder, Revival, the OC, Ziggler and Rude, and the B Team. Technically, technically, if you want to find out who the best tag team in the world is, you really should just be doing the Viking Raiders versus the Revival. Because, right, the Revival is the tag team champions of SmackDown. The Viking Raiders are the tag team champions of Raw, so those are the two best tag teams in the world. They're the world tag team champions. You could just have those two compete for the World Cup. But I guess you want to get some more tag teams in there. Um, you know, I don't. I personally don't think it makes any sense to give anybody except the Viking Raiders that World Cup. You know, I think it, you know, you could do it for the New Day if you want good guys to win. But it wouldn't make any, I mean... Then again, you know, it, would it make any sense based on storyline to have the New Day win? No, that wouldn't make any sense. But based on other international pay-per-views that WWE has done, sometimes we take a step out of storyline and we just do this because let's have some good guys win. So, you know, I could see... Like, when you think about John Cena and the run that he had after Roman Reigns, like, John Cena, I think, lost every match that he had after Roman Reigns except for the one match that he had in an international pay-per-view. So and we don't talk about that because we don't really talk about all stuff. So, <laughs> so uh, if you want to go in that direction, I guess you can give it to the New Day. But the Viking Raiders are good guys too, so I, I don't think it makes any sense to give it to anybody except the Viking Raiders. Then you've got a twenty-man battle royal with the winner facing AJ Styles. I mean, I think that Kevin Owens will win the battle royal and face AJ Styles, which is convenient because he attacked AJ Styles after Raw. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I don't think Kevin Owens will win the title. He just had to compete in that 20-man battle royal. AJ Styles will have the OC in his corner. You know, you know. I feel like AJ will probably win, but that's the way I think that'll go. It'll be a fun watch, fun for a Thursday afternoon. I'll be there for it, and I hope you guys will be there with me on Patreon. Let's talk about what's going on on Raw this week. Tonight, if you're listening to this the day the podcast drops, tonight, Monday Night Raw. We've got 
Seth Rollins and Eric Rowan in a Falls Count Anywhere match, and you're probably going, why? Seth Rollins and Eric Rowan, not only are they not even in a rivalry, Eric Rowan hasn't even made a debut on Raw. He wasn't on Raw last week. All great points. All great points. But I'm assuming that this is a preview for Crown Jewel, that they sat there and said, okay, um, let's have a big guy fight Seth Rollins in a Falls Count Anywhere match just to show the audience, get him excited about what Falls, Falls Count Anywhere matches are going to look like. But I do wish that instead of just this match being announced, that even if they used they did it online or whatever, there was some kind of story going into it. Like, you know, Seth Rollins going like, I'm ready for a warm-up. I'm ready. And then like Eric Rowan coming out and saying, you're ready for a warm-up, huh? Why don't I give you a warm-up? And why don't we really warm it up? Why don't we do Falls Count Anywhere so you're really ready? I know something about Bray Wyatt, you know. Let's see if you can beat me. Falls Count Anywhere right now or this Monday or whatever it is. You know what I mean? You People get into Twitter wars on like so much. There is so much drama on Twitter. Every day I wake up to new wrestling drama on wrestling Twitter. You know, whether it's, you know, we whatever. We talked about it a little bit last week. Seth Rollins talking about, you know, Kenny Omega being in the minor leagues. Even though Kenny Omega literally said that about NXT. And everybody's like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, like, why not have Twitter used to build up Raw? Why not have Becky Lynch call out Kyrie Sane on her Twitter account instead of calling out the AEW women's locker room? I don't mind that she calls out the AEW women's locker room. I like when Becky Lynch calls people out and, and, and shoots from the hip on Twitter. But why not also call her up and say, hey, Becky, why don't you tweet something about Kyrie Sane? Kyrie Sane. And how you're going to kick her ass or something. And hey, Kaidi, why don't you tweet something about how you're going to kick Becky Lynch's ass, but you could do it in Japanese so people have to click the little translate button on their Twitter and go like, oh, you know, hey, Rowan, Seth, why don't you, you know, post little videos like Corey Graves. By the way, this is genius, I think. Corey Graves posted a video hyping up what he was going to do on his podcast this week. Uh, uh, uh. Corey Graves' podcast, by the way, comes out on Wednesday, so check that out. He's got Triple H, Bailey, Seth Rollins, and I think Ric Flair as well, all on his podcast this week. Um, but I wonder how he gets all that access. But uh, he made a video hyping up what he was going to be doing and how you know they were going to be changing things and blah blah blah, which I think is great. But I also think because I like after I interviewed Rey Mysterio, I went home and I watched the Halloween Havoc 97 match between him and Eddie Guerrero just to sit there and marvel at it. It's an incredible... It's, I think it's on my list of top five all-time matches. It's so good. But Mean Gene comes out on stage right afterwards and he starts talking about like, oh, there's a new uh, clique forming backstage. I can't talk about it here, but we'll talk about it on the hotline. And I was like, wait a minute. When Corey Graves does videos for his podcast, Corey Graves and his podcast may just be the new Mean Gene and his hotline for 2019. It's amazing. I think it's wonderful. I've been waiting for something like that, and I hope that's what it turns into because I think it's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's, social media should be used for that. Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair are both going to be on Raw to hype up Crown Jewel. Hogan and Flair did well on SmackDown. Flair did amazing last week on Raw as well, so I'm, I'm all for that. I think that's good stuff. Uh, Becky Lynch, as I said, is going to be facing Kaidi Sane on Raw. It's a Big time for Kaidi Sane and uh, uh, the Kabuki Warriors. 
So this week on Raw, you got Kyrie Sane versus Becky Lynch. And then on NXT, you got Team Kick versus the Kabuki Warriors for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship, which I think is a very good utilization of those women's tag team championships. You know, I think NXT has the best women's division of any company. By the way, we were teasing it at the beginning of the show. The steamer tweeted me that NXT is announcing that they're doing an all-women's show in December. And he said, you know, I'm not saying your podcast is entirely responsible for this, but maybe your podcast is entirely responsible for this, pointing out how good the women's division was uh, last week. And I think that's true. Here's the thing about Scoops Roberts, the last professional broadcaster, hack wrestling journalist. Not only do I have my finger on the pulse of the industry and have every inside source imaginable, but they also I have all the good ideas and they all copy me. So all of that, I do that too. So I'm sure that they were listening to the podcast and said, Sam's right, let's do a show. Um, so that's what I was teasing at the beginning of the show. Not only that, but if you look at what's happening, so you got NXT getting ready to put together an all-women's show in December, which I think is great because the NXT women's division is like unreal right now. And over in TNA, over in Impact, I'm sorry, not TNA anymore, over in Impact Wrestling, like it's been very clear to me, I don't even watch Impact nearly regularly enough, but it's been really clear to me just based on what they're doing that they're positioning Tessa Blanchard to be the TNA champion or to the Impact Wrestling heavyweight champion, whatever you want to call it. Obviously, it wouldn't be a heavyweight because she doesn't weigh that much, but to be the Impact Wrestling world champion, she's going to win the title, you know? Um, and at first, I was like, is she going to beat Brian Cage for it? But then, spoiler alert, I'm about to spoil the Impact TV tapings. Uh, at the Impact TV tapings, Sammy Callahan beat Brian Cage for the title. Now, it's very controversial. Uh, a few months ago, they had an intergender match on pay-per-view as, I believe, the main event. It was Sammy Callahan versus Tessa Blanchard. Sammy Callahan ended up winning. Tessa Blanchard got an ovation. And people were like, this is BS. Like, this is dumb. Why have her lose? Doesn't make any sense. Well, maybe it makes sense because Tessa Blanchard is finally going to be able to avenge her loss. And she's going to beat Sami Zayn for the Impact Wrestling Championship. I mean, she definitely is, in my opinion. And I am Scoops Roberts, the last professional broadcaster hack wrestling journalist. So I'll just say this. I know that from my inside sources. Uh, is it my brain that I make up in my head? I don't know, but it's my inside sources. So I think that's great. I like the idea. I, don't, I, I have no qualms with a woman winning the Impact Wrestling Championship, you know? Honestly, if they told the right story, I wouldn't mind Becky Lynch winning the Universal Championship if the right story was told. I mean, hell, you tell the right story, I am down to watch. Especially after JR made the comments on his podcast, I would be so down to watch Seth Rollins versus Becky Lynch. I don't mind intergender wrestling. You know, I I, I mean, I, I could see where some people think it's problematic or whatever, but it's not. I mean, it's performance. It's not, you know, this whole thing. I don't mind intergender wrestling, um, especially when the stories are done right and it's done in the right way. It's not just like a shock and awe. Look at this big, strong man, like, break this woman in half. Like, that's not, you know, that's not what I'm here to see. But I would be there if you told the right story. If you had Becky Lynch 
lose the Raw Women's Championship and Seth Rollins start to turn heel a little bit, I really would not mind Becky Lynch beating Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship. I don't think it would harm the title. I think it would be interesting. I think it would be progressive. You know, I'm not, I'm not against it. Again, the right story has to be told. I think the right story is being told in Impact. I think you got the right person with Tessa Blanchard. But, you know, I, I mean, if you told the right story, I, I you know, I, I don't see how it's a problem. So, yeah, I would love to see Becky Lynch beat Seth Rollins, you know, and, and, and have that story told. I think it'd be interesting. Um, you got on Raw this week, Rana and, Luce, uh, Rana and Lusev. <laughs> Rusev and Lana going to the King's Divorce Court is what they called it on the graphic on SmackDown. Uh, look, I, I get the feeling that Rusev doesn't want to be doing this. Rusev, you got to commit, bro. I want to see this happen. You know, you got to commit. And no talking about like, oh, I wanted to buy more clothes and Rusev wouldn't let me. So now I'm banging Bobby Lashley. Like, what? What? Let's get into it. Let's get let's get nasty with the details. You know what I mean? Let's get dirty. Let's get let's get insulting. You know what I mean? Let's do this story if we're going to do this story. Um, and you got uh, it looks like a rematch between Ricochet and Drew McIntyre, which I think should go the same way as the first one did. Have Drew McIntyre collapse Ricochet. I don't have a problem with that at all. So that's what you've got for Raw this week. I think it's going to be another fun week of wrestling. Then you got Wednesday. We'll be back here on Thursday after Crown Jewel. Moving into SmackDown. My God, what a time to be a wrestling fan. Thank you all for being here. We'll see you next week on Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.